Hey everyone, welcome to Yoga Land's Yoga Teacher Companion. I'm your host, Jason Crandall. Last week, I released an episode on how to structure your beginner's class based on a webinar that I recently did. This week, today, right now, I'm releasing the second half of that webinar, and the focus is the most important sequencing concepts to use when you're working with beginners. This is entirely inspired from two of my recent courses, the art of sequencing and the art of teaching beginners. If you're interested in either of those topics, make sure to check out the links below. Otherwise, just enjoy this episode and I think it's gonna really help you work with your beginners and understand these integral sequencing components. Just like there are five distinct phases of a beginner's class, to me there are five really, really key sequencing principles when you're working with beginners. The first, and probably the most important sequencing parameter is what I call the 80-20 or the 70-30 rule. There are many different ways to enact this principle, but essentially it's this. I want about 70 to 80% of each class that I teach beginners to be more or less the same and about 20 to 30% to be different. Now, let me talk a little bit about why this is what I, th I think such an important, valuable sequencing concept. Um, and then I'll talk through a couple of different ways to execute it. First, we all know that the primary we way that we learn anything is through consistent repetition and exposure over time. So if I want to teach you anything, I need to help you do many reps of that thing. If I keep changing a sequence, if I change it too much, if every class is different or three quarters of every class is different, you might not develop a skillful, well-articulated warrior two, not because you don't have the capacity, but because we haven't had the frequency of it. And so when we're working with new students, that's the primary reason we wanna have 70 to 80% of each class more or less be the same, is we need our students to have that higher volume of repetition. But there's another layer to this. Most people who are new at something feel a little insecure about that thing. They feel a little uncomfortable about that thing. So when you have new students, when you're working with beginners, obviously there's a certain amount of excitement and enthusiasm they have. I mean, they made it to their class. It's not likely mandatory for them and they made it. At the same time, most beginners have at least a little bit of hesitation or a little bit of trepidation. One of the ways to make them feel more comfortable is to present them with consistency. I can promise you that new students like repetition a lot. Not only because it helps them quicker on the learning curve gradient, but also it tends to make them feel more comfortable, more relaxed, more adept, more confident. If we're always kind of throwing new things at our students to do, like a lot of new things for our students to do, it can be overwhelming and we don't settle into a routine or a pattern, okay? Now, a couple of different ways that we can execute this. Number one, you can have literally every beginner's class you ever teach, 70 to 80% of it is kind of always the same. You can have some 
standing poses you always do no matter what. You can have some sun salutations you always do no matter what. You can have some seated and reclined poses you always do no matter what. So you can have your essentially your staples and then 20 to 30% of the class, each class can be completely different, right? You can think to yourself, well, I always do warrior one and warrior two and triangle and side angle. Those are always there no matter what. But this week I'm also gonna be doing revolve triangle pose and I haven't done half moon pose in a long time and I haven't done revolved Utskatasana in a long time and in my own practice I've really been enjoying arm balances so let me take, teach a, a mini beginner's level side plank, right? So you can have your staples that are just your go-to, these things work, these things are good, I want all my beginners to have a high amount of repetition of these poses, they're always there. And then 20 to 30% class over class or week after week is totally at your whims. That's one way of working with this concept. Another way of working with this concept is you can do it a little bit more progressively, okay? Meaning each week builds a little bit more on the previous week. So an example of this. So let's say, um, let's say we're gonna focus on backbends, right? Something really like broad. So let's say this month we're gonna focus on backbends. So week one, like week one of that focus or week one of the month, we have a sequence, right? A sequence that emphasizes backbends. We do more or less that same sequence all week. Week two, we still focus on backbends. We keep about 80% or 70% of week one sequence the exact same, but we 20 to 30% change it up a little bit. Let's say in the first week, you didn't do a mini camel pose. Let's say in the first week, you didn't do any fingers interlaced, arms reaching back behind your back. Let's say in the first week, you focused a little bit more on stretching your quads and your hip flexors. Well, maybe then in this week, you do a, you do a couple more poses where you engage the hamstrings or glutes, right? So it's kind of the same, right? It's mostly the same, but you just take a small percentage of that class and do it a little differently. Third week, let's say poses are coming along pretty well and you've been doing two repetitions of cobra, locust, camel, bridge. Well, this week maybe you do three repetitions or four repetitions. Or maybe this week you focus a little bit more on anterior shoulder opening and strengthening the back body. So again, th these are more like high level sequencing nuances. However, if we get this concept of let's have a consistent amount of the class, repeat, 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 so we build, and then a small percentage of the class be a little bit more either spontaneous or a percentage of that class that just builds on the previous week. That to me is principle number one. Principle number two, and I spoke about this in talking about the class structure, which is to separate the flow part from the technique part. And those of you who are particularly astute, which is all of you, because you've come here for this, you might think to yourself, well, Technique is a really important element of flow. And I would say, totally, of course it is. But we wanna think about 
how we learn. And we want to think about how we learn more efficiently and effectively. And if we're trying to learn too many things at the same time or juggle too many balls at the same time, it's extremely unlikely that we're going to do it well. So what we want to do, everybody, is we want to have a phase of class that is really dedicated to just moving and breathing, where you're just helping students get in their body, breathe, and not worry about every little detail. Then you also want to have another phase of class where you're not asking your students constantly, inhale, exhale, make it all rhythmic, where instead you're saying, you know what? Right now, all we're going to focus on is the distance between your feet in warrior one, warrior two, triangle, and side angle pose. Let's really learn these details. Don't worry about breathing, right? Like, let's just focus on getting these specific details. This is also another phase of class, everybody, honestly, where we can help students learn how to use props. A lot of times when we're trying to teach technique, and we're trying to teach how to use props while also trying to be fluid and give people breath cues, it's too much for everyone. We, we start to trip over our own words and, and we start to muddle things together. So you wanna have a phase of class that's dedicated to just movement and breath and also a phase of class that is just dedicated to developing technique. Third essential sequencing element. When you're working with beginners, now arguably, let me take a step back, the, these sequencing concepts are relevant for everyone and every level, not just beginners. It's just that when we're working with beginners, it's that much more important, it's that much more acute, okay? But this third principle is limit yourself in any given sequence to focusing on two to three regions of the body or two to three cues that you really want students to learn. Now, it is totally okay. Let's say you're setting them up in warrior two. You might need a bunch of cues to just tell them where to put their feet, how to bend the front knee, how to keep the pelvis level, right? You might need a handful of cues to like, get people in the pose. But when you're really trying to teach something, like when you're really trying to teach specific details about specific poses, don't overwhelm your students. I have said this in so many contexts, everybody. Even with beginners, you can be as detailed as you want to be. You can be as nuanced as you want to be. You can be as specific as you want to be, but not about too many different things in one class. We don't just wanna to think to ourselves as, as teachers, what do I wanna say? We also have to ask ourselves, how do students learn? Uh, even more, how do new students learn? And are they going to be able to synthesize all of this information? And the answer is probably no. They're gonna need repetition, which is, goes back to the 70-80 thing, right? The 70-80 rule. If you have a million things that you wanna teach your students, then it's that much more important than you're incredibly consistent because the way that we typically learn is through repeated exposure over time. 
But if you overstuff class with too many details, with too much information, with too many different things you're asking a student to focus on, they might even be able to do it in the moment, but it's not likely that they're gonna retain those things. So I'll say the same thing one more time, and I have said this quote dozens of times in pretty much every one of my trainings. The things we do not say allow the things we do say to stand out and have greater impact. So when you're developing focal points or teaching points or when you're really trying to teach your students a thing in class, limit those takeaways to maybe two things. I think that's probably gonna be plenty. Another incredibly important sequencing concept is to help our students understand the relationship between postures. And the way that we can do this is when we're sequencing, focus on pairing similar postures or what I call families of poses. So here's what I mean by this. Warrior two, triangle pose, side angle pose, half moon pose are all different poses, but they all have a lot of common denominators. Similarly, warrior one, crescent, high lunge, different postures, but they have a lot of common denominators. Revolved side angle pose, simple crescent lunge twist, revolved triangle pose, revolved half moon pose. They're all separate postures, but they have a lot of common denominators. So what I'm always doing at every level, but especially with beginners, is I'm giving them clusters of postures that relate together, okay? So I don't go, here's warrior one, boom, 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 boom. Here's warrior two, boom, 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 boom. Here's revolved side angle pose and so forth. It's not sequencing like that would be bad or wrong or catastrophic or injurious, but a student isn't gonna see the connection nearly as easily. But instead, if we see, oh, well, the stride that we set up and the way we rotate the pelvis in warrior two is almost exactly like what we do in side angle pose. It's almost exactly like what we do in triangle pose. Those things set us up for half moon pose. We really organize and sequence multiple postures of the same group together. Not only are we helping the body actually do and adopt to those poses because if we're warmed up for warrior two, we're also warmed up for side angle, we're also warmed up for triangle. But even more than that, the body can synthesize that information better. Remember, this is one of the, just like we, I know we know this, but remember, we're teaching people something. So we want to really account for how does someone effectively synthesize the information? And if we're ping-ponging from one pose group to another pose group to another pose group to another pose group, it's unlikely that a student is gonna synthesize the actual technical ways of doing those poses. Whereas if we're staying with a run of very similar postures, well, there's less things to constantly change from one pose to another. The body's already a little bit warmed up, but also everybody, we are going to essentially get repetition. So is warrior two and side angle pose the same pose? No, 
but they have a lot of common denominators. And so am I repeating many of the actions of warrior two inside angle pose? Yes. And so we start to really see with our beginners that they can learn way more efficiently when the pose organization that we're providing for them is structured so it's like with like instead of this random array of poses coming in in no particular order. Now finally everybody, this is a really high level concept that sounds super fancy, but I know you already actually know it. Like it's super simple, it's super straightforward, it's super basic, but we wanna make sure that we're really embracing this. This fifth principle of sequencing for beginners is implement backwards design. Implement backwards design. See, I told you it sounded fancy, right? I wanted us to sound fancy. But what is backwards design? It just essentially is the same thing as reverse engineering. It's identifying what you wanna teach before you start teaching. Now, when you identify what you wanna teach before you start teaching, you're going to more likely create a sensible pathway towards learning that thing. If I identify I'm going for a drive and I'm driving from here to there, if I know where I wanna drive, it's going to, it's gonna help me make decisions in that process. I can say, you know what? I'm a little short on time, so I'm gonna take the quickest route. Or I'm not short on time and I just kind of feel like driving and I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna kind of go and get a little lost, but then I'm eventually gonna arrive at this point. Or I'm gonna take a little bit more time, I'm gonna go a different route, I'm gonna go the scenic route. When we identify where it is that we're going, it doesn't mean we always have to go there the same way, but it helps us make an intentional choice about how to get there. So your sequences should be intentional because you're trying to teach them something. So if I'm trying to help a body not just feel good, which I totally want people to feel good and breathe and inhabit their body, but if I want you to have some takeaways, if I want you to learn some of this subject matter, it's going to be much easier for you to learn if I give you a good structured pathway. And the only way I'm gonna give you a good structured pathway is by knowing where I want to go. Now, am I open to spontaneity? Totally. Am I open to having a focus uh, and I wanna work towards in this class backbends, but midway I realize for any number of reasons, I don't think it's a backbend day. I think it's an outer hip opening day. Fine, we can totally make those changes. But I say this all the time, everybody, having a plan as a teacher and then being inspired during the execution of that plan to, to, to follow a different course, being inspired to follow a different muse, taking the information that I'm seeing in class and being like, oh, I don't think this class I planned was right and deviating, those things are great. That's completely different than having no plan. So implementing backwards design is really just this process where we identify these are what we're gonna focus on in class, this is what I wanna help students learn and grow with in class. Those things might be postural, those things might be technical, those things might be philosophical. You might 
design a class backwards from, I wanna teach my beginners about ahimsa, right? So the whole class might be anchored in some actionable philosophical precept like ahimsa, right? We don't have to just be like, I'm gonna teach my students what the inferior order of the scapula does. There's a lot of different ways we can take this, but the bottom line with this, everybody, is when you're working with beginners, know what you wanna teach before you teach it. I hope that all of these concepts are really helpful for you and they give you a greater ability to support and work with your beginners. If you wanna learn more just about sequencing for every level of student, check out The Art of Yoga Sequencing. All of that information is below, the links are there. If you wanna specialize in working with beginners or just feel much more confident working with beginners, make sure to check out that course, The Art of Teaching Beginners. Otherwise, please like, subscribe, all of those things, and I will keep continuing to provide you with this content, both as audio podcasts, but also on YouTube here on the Jason Crandall Yoga channel. So enjoy everyone, thank you.